don't think than thinking about our great God, thinking about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And He certainly is worthy of our worship and our praise as we have already sung, to, sung this morning and as we have already gone to our Father in prayer. Uh, if you have your Bible, you might want to open to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy 2 is uh, where we will be in just a few minutes. Does anybody here, probably those who are at least my age or older, uh, remember something called a chain letter? Anybody receives some of those in your lifetime? Uh, for the younger crowd here this morning, you may not be familiar with that. Uh, years ago, I guess when you know the postal service, snail mail as we call it, was about the only means of communication that people had, at least people that were living uh, far distances from each other. Uh, the idea of a chain letter and chain letters were something that were fairly popular. And really the idea is, if you haven't heard of that, that somebody would send you a, a letter in the mail. They would uh, uh, ask you to make copies of that particular letter. This is, of course, before email even uh, was in existence and they would ask you to make copies of that particular letter and then to send copies on, to mail copies on to uh, people that you knew, maybe some of your friends, maybe some of your relatives or coworkers or people like that. And then the idea was that those people who received that chain letter would send that on to their friends, their list of associates, and those people who got the chain letter would send it on to someone else, hence the name chain letter, that it would just be a continuous chain that would never stop. And some of those letters, if you ever received one of those, some of those letters would maybe contain a blessing. Like, you know, if you pass this on, that you're, it's almost like going to a Chinese restaurant and uh, opening your fortune in a fortune cookie. You know, if you do this, you'll be blessed. Uh, there'll be some kind of good thing that will happen in your life. But if you don't do this, if you don't send it on, then there's going to be some kind of curse that you would experience. I don't know about you, but I kind of always thought those things were kind of silly. And I never participated in any of that. But as you think about just the idea of a chain, the, the idea of a chain, I believe, is a very biblical concept. And that's really what we want to think about this morning. Because whether we realize it or not, those of us who are Christians, we are links in the chain of Christianity. We are links in the ever-growing never-ending chain of Christianity. And if we view ourselves that way, I think we can, it will hopefully help us to see our responsibility to keep that particular chain going. Not that we're sending chain letters to people, not that we're sending chain emails. And by the way, uh, if you're on social media, that the same thing takes place today. It's just not in hard copy paper form. But we need to see ourselves with the responsibility to keep the chain going. And so this morning, I want us to study some of the last written words of the Apostle Paul that he wrote to the young preacher Timothy. Some words, I believe, that impress upon us the need to keep the chain of Christianity going, especially as it relates to our responsibility and the opportunities that God gives us uh, to teach the word of Jesus Christ to other people. So read with me, if you will, here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, just the first two verses. The Apostle Paul says to his 
protege Timothy, he says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. What I want us to do at the beginning of uh, this lesson this morning is just to examine the text for a little bit. Now, the Apostle Paul, of course, is writing this letter to Timothy, uh, someone who was younger in age, uh, younger in the faith, perhaps could have been a convert of Paul as he came to Lystra and Derby back in Acts chapter 16 uh, and preached the gospel there or even earlier uh, back in chapter 14. But Paul is writing this letter to Timothy during his final imprisonment in the city of Rome. Uh, he knows, as we can probably remember his famous words, almost the last words that we have recorded for us in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7, he knows that he has fought the good fight. He knows that, the, that he has finished the course. He knows that he has kept the faith. His faith, as we spoke about, if you were here uh, during this session last week in our song, scripture, and prayer service to think about living by faith and walking by faith. And the scripture that we ended that service on, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 at verse 7, Paul reminds us that we walk by faith and not by sight. So Paul's almost at the very end of his life, and he knows that he has walked by faith, but he also knows that his faith in Jesus Christ is about to be sight. And so Paul, Timothy's father in the faith, as he often refers to himself, he wanted to make sure that after he was gone here from this earth, that the gospel would continue to go into all the world, that, that the great commission that Jesus gave the apostles and all of us that are followers of Jesus that we're involved in, that the gospel would go and be preached to all nations, to every person. And so he is charging his young protege here to keep the chain of gospel teaching and preaching going. And certainly, uh, Timothy was involved in that, and I have no reason to think that he didn't continue to be involved in that process. So I want us to just look at, at verse 2 especially for just a few minutes and to kind of break this verse down, to think about this verse phrase by phrase. The Apostle Paul, first of all, says to Timothy here in verse 2, "...the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses." And so we can ask the question, what, what had Timothy heard from the Apostle Paul? And not only what had Timothy heard from Paul, but what had Paul been preaching? What, what had Paul been uh, speaking to other people? Because he says here that he had spoken these things in the presence of many witnesses. Well, if probably on the same page or maybe a page back in your Bible here in chapter 1, uh, the Apostle Paul, I believe, talks about this, and not just in this particular reference, but really all throughout these two books of First and Second Timothy. Notice what he says back here in chapter 1 at verse 13, as he is trying to give Timothy some encouragement. Uh, if you go back to verse 7, reminding Timothy that God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. He, he's trying to encourage this young man uh, that he didn't need to be timid. He didn't need to be shy as he went about the work of a gospel preacher. He's reminding uh, Timothy that he doesn't need to be ashamed of the gospel, even as he himself, the apostle Paul, is not ashamed. And so he says in verse 13, in that kind of context or that frame of thought, retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Guard through the Holy Spirit, verse 14, who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to you. 
So, so as his mentor, the Apostle Paul had taught and entrusted Timothy with sound words, he says here at verse 13. Sometimes we use this word sound. I don't know that we actually use it correctly as it's used in the text, but we talk about, you know, sound doctrine. We talk about a sound church. And really what it is talking about is a, if we're using that to say uh, sound teaching or a sound congregation, sound people, we're saying that, that those are people that is teaching that is healthy, that is teaching that is wholesome, that is teaching or words that is from God himself. And so the Apostle Paul certainly wasn't passing on his own wisdom or his own philosophy for life to the young preacher Timothy, but he was passing on the words that God had given to him. These, I think, were the things that Paul was giving and had given to Timothy as Timothy had the opportunity to travel all around the world with the Apostle Paul. These are the things that Timothy was to pass on to other people. It's not Timothy's way of living. It's not Timothy's wisdom for life. Timothy was to follow the Apostle Paul by being a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that's certainly very important as we think about being a link in the chain of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that wherever we have the opportunity to teach someone about Jesus Christ, whatever abilities God has given us to be involved in that teaching process, that we make sure that first and foremost, we are teaching the word of God. We are teaching sound words. We are teaching sound doctrine. Secondly, the apostle Paul says, those things that sound, those sound words that he had taught to Timothy, he was to entrust those words. The word entrust, according to the American Heritage Dictionary, means to give over to another for care, for protection, or performance. That we're taking something that we have and we're giving it to someone else, but we're wanting someone to do something with that. It's not just that Timothy would keep these words to himself, but he is to entrust uh, these to someone else, and we'll look at that in just a moment. Thayer's in his Bible dictionary gives this definition. He says the word entrust means to place down with anyone to deposit or to commit to one's charge. So this is a commitment that Paul is passing on to Timothy. This is a charge that Paul is passing on to Timothy. And this charge to Timothy, I, I would suggest to you, is a great charge. It is a very serious charge. It's not something that, that Timothy as a gospel preacher, much less just as a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, was to take lightly. Uh, as you read through First and Second Timothy, there are several times where Paul uses the word charge, that I charge you, you know, in the presence of many witnesses, I charge you to do this particular thing, to carry out this particular task. And so just as Paul had committed words of truth to Timothy, Timothy then was to turn around and commit those words or entrust those words to other people. And the other people specifically that he was to entrust those words to is to faithful men. Thinking about the word faithful for just a moment, uh, the NIV renders this word reliable, which I think is really the idea that Paul has in mind here. Again, Thayer's gives this definition, and this is a person who is worthy of trust, someone who can be relied upon. He's thinking about people that you can count upon. Now, he's obviously thinking, I believe, about Christians. He's thinking about people who have faith in Jesus Christ, people who are living by faith. But more than that, in this particular context, he's thinking about someone who is trustworthy. Because uh, Paul considered Timothy to be trustworthy. In fact, if you read in places like, I think it's like Philippians chapter 2, you know, Paul is in prison in Rome. 
the first time, and he's wanting to come to the church in Philippi, but he's not able to because of his circumstances. But he says, I'll send Timothy, and it's like sending myself to you. Paul had that much confidence and that much trust in Timothy. He knew that he was a trustworthy man. And so Timothy was to be looking for individuals, for Christians, for saints who would have that same character. And he says here, entrust those to faithful men. So this is not the word that sometimes is used to talk about a male, but this is just a word to talk about a person, a human being. And so this instruction really applied to males and females. You know, find faithful saints, find faithful Christians that you can take what I have taught you and you can turn around and teach that to someone else. Again, I believe Paul certainly is thinking here of people who are loyal to Christ and people who are going to be faithful to the word of Jesus Christ, just as Paul himself had been, as Timothy has shown himself to be, people who are convicted that the word of God really is the word of God. They are convinced that what we read in God's word, of course, they didn't have the completed Bible like we do today. But for us, they are people who are convinced that what you read in God's word truly is from God, <laughs> that this is truth. There's a lot of, you know, out here in the world, people will say, well, this is true and that is true and the other thing is true. And as we look at all that and take it all together, we might say, well, a lot of these things seem to be contradictory to each other. They seem to be opposed to each other, but that's not true of God's word. It is truth. And so Paul's charge to Timothy is to commit the truth that Paul and others had taught him. Even as you read, you know, here in these two books about uh, the faith that his mother and his grandmother had and passed on to him. But he was to commit the truth that Paul and others had taught him to true disciples of Christ, men and women who were true to the word, men and women who had handled the word of God accurately as they were proclaiming it to other people. And doing this, of course, would ensure that God's message rather than man's message would continue on, that the chain, the gospel chain, would continue going. And it would be good news that many people around the world would be able to hear. And it continues here at the very last phrase of this verse, that Timothy again was to take what Paul had entrusted to him. He was to entrust that to faithful men. Paul says, who will be able to teach others also. These again are faithful saints, but they're not just people who are faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ, but I believe they, they are men and women who have some ability given by God. These are saints that are fit, they are qualified, they are competent, both in their character, like Timothy and Paul were, but also in their ability to teach others the same words that Timothy had taught to them. And so as they are teaching truth to other people that they know, those people, of course, are teaching truth to people. And you can see here, I hope, you can maybe keep this image in your mind, not just through this sermon this morning, but as, as you go throughout this week and on into the future, to think about the fact that all of us that are Christians, whatever role we have in the body of Christ, whether we are preachers, as we use that word to preach the gospel of Christ on a regular basis to Christians and to non-Christians, whether we are Bible class teachers, wherever we fit, whether we're parents, as we're going to talk about here in just a few moments, whatever our ability and opportunities are, that we all see ourselves, as I think Paul was wanting Timothy to see himself, that we are just links in this chain and we have the responsibility to faithfully teach the revealed word of God so that the chain keeps going and going 
and going. I found this little uh, illustration here somewhere, I don't know, <laughs> that the longer you preach, the less, the more you forget your sources sometimes. Uh, but I thought it was really good because it kind of starts out here. If you look at this, you know, it's taking 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, and it's just starting with a couple of people and then entrusting the word of God to more people. And then they're entrusting the word of God. They're teaching it to other people. And you can see the chain not only keeps going, but it grows. It multiplies. I think you obviously see that through the book of Acts, don't you? As the gospel seed is planted there in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost in chapter 2, and then it just goes everywhere to the remotest parts of the earth. So yes, it is true that the Apostle Paul, he's an apostle. He is a preacher of the gospel of Christ. He primarily is giving this charge to Timothy, who is a fellow preacher. I, I believe that this is God's will for all of us who are his children to follow. And so that being true, we who follow Christ need to do all that we can to keep the chain of the truth of the Word of God going and growing in our life. And so I want us to think very practically for the last 10 minutes or so that we have this morning about how we can keep the chain going in just three groups with which we can keep the gospel chain uh, going. First of all, those of us who are parents, we can keep that chain going with our children, not only parents, but those who are grandparents, that we can keep the gospel chain going with our children and our grandchildren. Turn to the Psalms for just a moment in Psalm 78. It's a long Psalm here, Psalm 78. And I just want to read the first, I think it is eight verses, uh, because there, there's something of value, certainly for the Israelites, God's people of old, as this psalm was written, but also a lot of value for us today, for parents and grandparents. Psalm 78, beginning at verse 1, the psalmist says, Listen, O my people, to my instruction. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us, we will not conceal them from their children, but tell to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wondrous works that he has done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded, to, commanded our fathers that they should teach them to their children, that the generation to come might know even the children yet to be born that they may arise and tell them to their children that they should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not prepare its heart and whose spirit was not faithful to God. I think he is telling to this generation of Israelites, you've got to be a link in the chain. Of course, the gospel of Jesus Christ really hasn't been revealed. There are glimpses that are pointing us to Christ during this particular time of history. But I think the, the, the application for us is that we've got to take the gospel message. We've got to take what was taught to us and we have to teach that to someone else. So thinking about yourself, if your parents were true Christians, if they were trying to be the kind of parents that God wanted them to be, if they were trying to uh, instruct you and train you and teach you with the word of God, as a psalmist here again is saying at verse three, the things that we have heard and known our fathers have told us, if that's true of you, then, then you must continue that chain by telling your children of who God is of telling them about God's awesome works and telling them about God's awesome word, his perfect word, telling them 
that their need to respond to that with living a life that is pleasing to God, that they would not be, as the psalmist is saying to this generation of Israelites, don't be like your fathers. Don't have stubborn, hard, rebellious hearts. But we as parents trying to instill within our children the, the need uh, for them to maintain soft and humble and receptive hearts. Try, try to grow a love for God within them. That, that they truly love God above all else and everyone else. And help them, guide them in the right way that they can live lives that fully submit to Him. That they can be people of obedient faith in Jesus Christ. Now, what our children do with that, that's up to them, right? I mean, they, they have to make a choice about that somewhere along the way. But it is our job, our responsibility as parents, as much as we can, again, as much as we have the ability to do that and the opportunities with our children, to make sure that we're trying to keep the chain of the gospel of Jesus Christ going within them. And I would say, too, uh, uh, you know, especially for those who are parents of young children, that the specifics of what this particular point looks like, it changes as our children age. <laughs> you know, when your child is just maybe six months old or two years old, it, it may be that you're sitting down and reading Bible stories with them. That They may not understand. They're probably not going to understand all the words that you're saying. They're not going to be able to make all the connections in Scripture that we want them to make. They're certainly not going to be able to think of maybe about how this applies to me or draw conclusions. But we can at least get them familiar with God and make sure that we're trying to do that on a regular basis. But as our child grows, then we can begin to expect a little bit more of them. And they can understand more. They can process more about who God is, about how important God's Word is, about what it says for them, maybe even as a five-year-old, about what it means for them to be a good five-year-old, for them to pick up the toys in their room, or for them not to hit their brother or sister, or whatever the application is. But then as they get a little bit older to the teenage years, then they're probably going to start asking us questions and saying, Mom or Dad, what, what does this particular scripture mean? What does this principle mean? How does it apply to this situation that I'm dealing with in my life? And so it's going to look different at different stages of our children's lives, but I don't want us to lose sight of the fact that this is our job. <laughs> Nobody else can do this job for us. But you may be sitting there this morning and thinking, well, my parents weren't even Christians. <laughs> Or they were just kind of Christians in name only, and they didn't really take the time to pass on what they had learned and help me to learn and grow in my faith. But even if our parents didn't start that chain of truth within us, all of us who are parents can say, okay, from this point onward, onward forward, I'm going to do that with my children. And if we will do that, hopefully they will continue that with their children, and their children will continue that with their children and the chain of truth will continue to go on even long after we are gone from this earth. Secondly, I would encourage us to keep the chain going with those who might be described as outsiders, those outside of the body of Christ. In the Gospel of John, in chapter 1, we see a couple of, of great examples here, I think, of what we as true disciples are to be and how we are to see ourselves as links in this gospel chain. John chapter 1, beginning at verse 35 the Bible says, again, the next day John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus as he walked and said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. 
And Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He found first his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which translated means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Again, notice how Andrew fit very beautifully in this chain of truth. He is a link in that chain. John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus Christ, taught him about Jesus Christ, pointed him to Jesus Christ. And when Jesus was walking by, John didn't say, you need to keep listening to me. He said, behold, the Lamb of God. And John and another disciple went and followed Jesus Christ. Then Jesus, I think it's implied here in verse 39, as they spend the, the day or most of the day with him, they are learning. Jesus is teaching them. And so Andrew makes the decision he's going to become a follower of Jesus Christ. And it appears from the way that John writes this that one of the first things Andrew did was find his brother Simon Peter. And he says, you know, this is great news. We have found the Messiah, the one that, that the prophets, the law, the Psalms have been pointing to. We found him. And so he brought him to Jesus so that he can learn more. And of course, we know the rest of Peter's story throughout the, the rest of the New Testament that Peter certainly got involved in preaching the gospel there on the day of Pentecost to Jews and even in chapter 3 of the book of Acts to Gentiles, Cornelius and his household in Acts chapter 10, uh, as we get on over to the almost the very end of the New Testament, we find that Peter has become an elder, a shepherd in a local congregation. And I assume in that role, he's teaching truth to God's sheep. <laughs> he again is a link, a vital link in the chain of the good news of Jesus Christ. And so we have opportunities with people who are outside the body of Christ to maybe just say a word to them, to plant a seed in their mind <laughs> that will hopefully take root, that will hopefully germinate, that will hopefully grow. And then they will decide hopefully to become a Christian. And if that's the case, then they can continue the chain going. Thirdly and finally, very quickly, we need to keep the chain of, of gospel teaching and preaching going uh, with one another. Over in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 11, this is uh, after... Uh, Acts chapter 8, and the, the disciples there in Jerusalem have been scattered because of persecution to many different places in the world. And one place that they find themselves is in the city, city of Antioch of Syria. And notice what is said to us here at verse 22. Uh, the news, Luke says, about them reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. Then when he had arrived and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord, for he was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. And he left for Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch, and for an entire year they met with the church and taught considerable numbers, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. So here these, you know, all of the saints, it seems like all the disciples except for the apostles left the city of Jerusalem back in the persecution that occurred in Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8 and verse 4 says they went everywhere preaching the word. They were all links in the, the chain of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, of teaching people about Christ. But the church at Jerusalem now at this point, they hear that a church has begun in the city of Antioch. So they send Barnabas, this 
son of encouragement, to encourage these disciples, to strengthen them, I think to really ground these new converts in the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Barnabas reaches a point where he realizes, I can't do all this work by myself. And so he goes and gets his fellow companion, Saul or Paul. And it resulted here in the Antioch church, if you look over in chapter 13 and verse 1, it resulted, or at least one result of this was that this church produced at least three other prophets and teachers besides Barnabas and Paul. So we need to keep the gospel chain going with ourselves. You know, don't just assume, well, we all know about Jesus Christ. We, we all have to continue growing. We all have to continue learning. And we can help each other in that process. And I believe we are here at Fairview involved in this process of keeping the gospel chain going. Uh, there are at least, uh, if I have remembered correctly, at least five men among us that are going out fairly regularly to other places, to other congregations just here in the state of Arkansas to preach the gospel, to kind of do what Barnabas was doing, to encourage those brethren, to build them up, to have opportunities to t talk to those who may not be Christians. Our Bible class teachers, I know you put a lot of time and effort and work into what you do in teaching our children, teaching those of us who are adults, but that's really being a link in this chain that we are speaking of this morning. To put in a plug, because it's only about a month away for October 7th for our adult Bible workshop, uh, when David and Heidi Manning are going to be here and really teaching us how to teach. And so whether you're a teacher that has taught for a number of years or you've never taught before, there will be something I, I, I'm sure that you will learn that particular Saturday that will help you to be more effective, that will help you to be a better link in the chain of gospel preaching and teaching. And so as we close this morning, about to dismiss to our classes, just to think about this idea and to ask yourself very honestly, am I a link in this particular important chain? Because God needs us. God is counting on us to live the gospel in our life. And then as we have ability and opportunity to share that with others so that the chain can continue to go on and on until our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ comes once again. Hopefully some good things for you to think about this morning. Let's be dismissed to our classes at this time.